I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. B2B marketing gets a bad reputation. Some will say it's boring and you can't be creative in the B2B space. But who wrote the rulebook that said B2B couldn't be fun or inspiring? Meredith Stowe Christie, the VP of Marketing at HVR, says that regardless of who your client is, B2B doesn't have to be boring. You have to remember it's B2B, but you're still marketing to a human. And chances are, given the amount of people that are watching the Super Bowl, your target is watching the Super Bowl. And if you have the budget and a message that resonates to, let's say, a lot of organizations, like why not do that? You want to be top of mind to these folks when they need to make that decision on your product. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Meredith explains how HVR is spicing up B2B marketing by putting the customer at the center of everything it does. What does that look like? Meredith says it's about aligning sales and marketing efforts to tell the best stories because content is what should be leading prospects through the funnel. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey marketers, today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Meredith, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Ian? Great day to talk marketing. Uh, Great day to have you on the show. We're going to get into uh, all things HVR and your background. So let's get started. How did you get started in marketing? Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to take you back a little bit, actually. So I've always worked in marketing or some realm of marketing throughout my whole career. Right out of college, I got a job at Goodby Silverstein and Partners. And for those of you that don't know, they were the ones that came up with the Got Milk campaign. I did not get to work on anything as cool as that, but I did uh, get to work on the HP Plus branding campaign. And this was, you know, I was too young to really understand what was going on, but this was a really critical time for HP. They were going through their proxy merger with Compact and, and, and I was responsible for doing media. But why I'm talking about this is because we were doing the media planning. And I remember at that point in time, digital was kind of an afterthought. We had maybe 5% of our budget allocated toward digital. And I remember meeting with reps from Fast Company and whatnot, and they were all all trying to sell us this thing about digital. We're like, oh, I don't know. And it did make it on the plan, but fast forward to today, you know, digital is, takes up probably next to events, probably the second most um, budgeted piece of a marketing plan. So after Goodby, I actually went into digital ad sales. And after several years in that, I decided I am not a good salesperson. <laughs> um, I made my number, but in terms of, um, I really enjoyed putting the proposals together, gathering the data, saying, hey, this is how we can help you reach your target. Because we were selling into actually video game companies. And I was like, this is what I really love. I like kind of getting into the numbers, coming up with the programs to sell to them. So I went to get my master's in marketing at NYU. It's a really great program. And I really got to learn more about digital, but also about the financial, more analytical side of marketing. And from since then, um, that has led me to where I am today, working in marketing at 
for basically B2B marketing for an enterprise or an organization that sells into the enterprise. Yeah. So, and for listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit about HVR. Absolutely. So um, I'm going to try to talk about this without getting too technical. Um, HVR, we do real-time data replication. What is that? You're probably like, okay. (laughs) And if you think about it, oftentimes as marketers, we're trying to get data between our MarTech stack, right? Like you might use Outreach IO, you might use HubSpot, Salesforce, but you need that data to sync. If you think about HVR, we're doing that at a larger scale for these enterprise organizations. They're gathering data from point of sale, um, data from customer profiles, data from your Salesforce, maybe your SAP systems into an analytical system, typically in the cloud, like a snowflake. And that's where teams are able to run analytics on their data. We actually, what makes us unique is how we move the data, the fact we can do it in real time. So for those of you that don't know, oftentimes data, well, you know, moving large volumes of data would take maybe a day, um, two days to get into that system for analysis. And with HVR, we're able to, to deliver that in real time. And so, you know, as you kind of came into this role, uh, you know, in the enterprise, how did you kind of think about, you know, coming into this as a slightly different kind of, you know, mode for your career? Well, I think part of it is I was up for the challenge, right? There's a lot of principles that you can apply from even marketing. I've done B2B marketing most of my career, but then learning how to understand what data replication is was definitely an uphill challenge for me. And even new folks I hire onto our marketing team, many of them aren't from this space. Where we're lucky is that I have fantastic teammates that I work with, um, our CTO, our VP of product. All of us have been with HBR for over five years. And we really respect each other, right? They respect my knowledge of marketing. I respect what they know about the product. And we collaborate together in developing content. You know, I'm not afraid to say, hey, you know what? Could you help me understand this a little bit better? I don't really get what, you know, initial load means. What's the significance of that? Don't worry, I do now. But in the beginning, these are all foreign terms. And so I've been really fortunate to work with colleagues who understand like, hey, marketing is important to the business. What I know is important to the business. So how can we marry the two so that we can get the word about out about what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, this, uh, we always talk about kind of like this, you know, the, the partnership with sales and marketing or the partnership with product and it kind of being this, you know, ever evolving thing with a highly technical product. So one that, you know, you might not necessarily have known, you know, off Jump Street. How much time did you spend just like diving into how it works and, and all that granularity? I'm still spending time into it, honestly. It's an ever evolving process. A lot of it has to do with reading, right? So I might work with our CTO and say, okay, we want to talk about this. And and even in the beginning, what we wanted to deliver was value to our target. Now, when I worked with HR, we had very few inbound leads. And so we just had to figure out what is our story? What do they want to know to learn about HVR? And through that process, I learned a lot about the product, how we're different, how it matters. And even as we've grown the company and we've brought in new employees, it's also talking to them. Like, what do you see in the product that's different? What do you see that's unique? How can we bring that to market? And then I find myself all the time just learning more and more about what makes a product different. And then as our customer base has grown, there's another way to learn about the product, right? How is it actually being used in the market? And what is the benefits of that? So I, I see that, you know, with this technical product, it's, I'm always learning more and more about it. Um, it's a never-ending journey, I feel. And it seems like you all are, are also on a never-ending journey to educate your prospects and customers. You all create a bunch of content in your marketing. Can you kind of talk about some of the things that, that you all are doing? You know, you're looking at podcasts, which we love. 
videos, white papers, customer stories, all that stuff. How do you think about content? Well, people always say content is king. That I would say absolutely. Um, you know, part of it is if you look at the buyer's journey, you know, often people say map your marketing to the buyer's journey. And, and especially in enterprise, really, if you think about us as humans, like how we buy, we want to one, we want to research, you know, before I buy something online, I like to see what the reviews have to say. Um, you want to make sure it's the right fit. Does this have what I need? You're busy, right? You don't want someone to waste your time. You don't want to be on a bunch of calls trying to figure out if this is going to be the right fit. So content is just serves as this guide for our prospects. So they can say, okay, before I make my move and say, I want to talk to sales and learn more, is this really what I need? And that's what we're trying to answer. But as you mentioned, like there's also an education about who we are and also what we do that's different. Because with our technology, the way it was used in the past has changed. So we've also had to do education about how our technology is used today and what those use cases are. So it's, yeah, content is, is a strong part of our strategy and I don't see that changing. But like you mentioned, finding new channels, new ways to do it is the exciting part around content. It is one of the age old questions, right? Of like, you know, how many different pieces of content, it kind of seems never ending at times uh, of what you want to create, right? Oh my gosh. Our CEO is always like, what? You don't have enough? I'm like, no, sales needs this. And we have this idea for this and this is coming out. So we need this. And it's just what it is, but it's so important because again, that's how we are making our connection with a prospect, right? We want to be part of that journey. So we're going to, I mean, we'll say, you know, creating a piece of content can be challenging. You got to get the the kind of the idea behind it. You need the editing, you need the design, but it's so worth it. I think it pays off. And a lot of that is evergreen, like something that we was relevant two years ago in our space is still relevant today. So it's a very worthwhile investment. Yeah. You know, it is funny to think about, we just talked about personalization, right? And you're like, well, if I could create a, a very personalized piece of content, like let's just say a webinar or a case study or something like that, for one prospect, and that prospect's you know lifetime value is you know whatever we'll just say a hundred thousand bucks, and creating that content you know cost us twenty five thousand bucks. You'd be like, that's the best you know investment. You do, of course, you do that right, like any any day of the week. But you know we very rarely personalize you know pieces of content like that for one account. But if you look at some of the way these like massive companies with their executive briefing centers and you know you know things like that, where how much work goes into just closing one you know, massive deal, it's, it's probably way worth way more than it would have been to create that perfect case study for that one persona or, or prospect. Exactly. Exactly. You know, data, obviously being core to your business data, very important to marketers has being around a company like yours, uh, like HVR, has that kind of shifted how you think about data and marketing? Absolutely. You, even as I was mentioning, I went to grad school for marketing and you know, we had a class on database um, analytics, how to mine it, how to understand it. I was like, oh, I'm never going to use this. But now I see the impact data has on large organizations. We work with uh, Under Armour, for example. Um, one of their use cases is around, they have their fitness tracker apps. They have their customer database. Um, they also have their stores, they have their inventory. So they want one view of all this data. And they're able to leverage this data and say, hey, you know what? Our customers over here, they're buying more running clothes, right? Or maybe they're, we're seeing from this app, they're running more. So maybe we need to stock our stores here with more clothes that are running related versus biking related. We also work with 1-800-Flowers. 
they have a bazillion different brands. So I don't know if you've heard of Wolfermans. Um, they're in, they make great English muffins. Great thing. If you can't make it home to mom, send Wolfermans English muffins. They'll love it. Okay. So basically, you know, they have their floral brand, which we all know about, or at least us in the States know about. And then they have some chocolate brands or whatnot. And what they want to do is create a unified experience for their customer. And you're like, oh, of course, that's easy. But it's not easy because you, this data from various different properties that they have are siloed. People in our space talk about data silos. And how do you get that to one place? So if that customer calls in and let's say they just ordered the muffins from mom and some, you know, the flowers from someone else, how do you know that's the same customer? And if you didn't know that, then they may not have such a great experience. But also by knowing who they are and who they're ordering, which of your properties you're ordering from, that also offers opens up opportunities for upselling. But then there's also the retention and the satisfaction, which we all know that's so key in marketing is is having that one, someone that's going to promote your brand, and then two, that someone's going to stay with your brand. So the data is just so valuable in what it enables us to know and understand about our customers and prospects. And from my perspective, I'm always wanting more, right? Like in looking at our database and how we leverage it, I just want to be able to understand more. And I'm like, how can I dig into these numbers more so that we can be more effective in our marketing? Because I am seeing what you know our customers are doing with their data. Well, yeah. And I'm curious, I mean, how many marketers are, are involved in that sales process for your product? Because it seems like so many marketers are, are touching this stuff. But a lot of times that data is, you know, falls under the chief data officer or VP analytics or, you know, whoever it is. And yet at the end of the day, it's the marketer who needs the access to it the most. Exactly. You know, it's a big challenge for us because we market to the IT person. Sure. So they're the ones that have the budget. Yep. Um, they're the ones that are implementing the program. They're also, again, we're talking about a technical product. They're going to really understand why this product versus another data mover product might be more beneficial. However, from my perspective, as our company grows, I definitely want to sell more into, let's say, folks that manage a supply chain, because real-time data, as you can imagine, giving even the Under Armour example, supply chain is, you know, understanding what's happening in the moment so you can fix a problem or identify an opportunity is important, but also to marketers. You know, do they know that there's a tool out there that can get them their data faster? They don't have to wait a day because you just want to get your job done, your report. Someone's probably waiting for your report and you just want to get that information. So the fact that we reduce the time to getting that information is key to many in an organization. It really is. And I think, you know, having stuff at your fingertips as a marketer, I mean, for certain companies, you know, for B2B, it's like in real time is maybe not as important, you know, for, for a shoe company or something when, you know, you can have a shoe launch that drops that people are waiting, you know, they have an army <laughs> of bots waiting to, to, you know, to try to get all the shoes or people camped out on the street or stuff like that, where literally seconds go by and you're doing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. Yeah. It's like that data is, is so important in that moment. It is so important. And, you know, it's data is important. Yeah. One, because you can understand your customer better, but also because if there's a disaster happening, the longer you have to wait to know there's a disaster, the more money you're losing. Right. So, so there's a lot of benefits to having data at your fingertips. So you have a bunch of different partner uh, organizations um, that you use. Do you think about partner marketing at all? Is that is that in your mix? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I have a team member that's responsible for it. But we also have our field marketing team who works with our regional partners. 
And oftentimes, like we have an event with Snowflake in the field that's happening um, in, in second half this year, where we'll be doing a seminar series because our products are kind of like one can't live without the other, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they need us to feed their data warehouse, right? Or I'm sorry, their data platform. And the same with Google Cloud or um, AWS. They all need a technology that can get data there. So their customers, many of their customers are like, okay, we're on doing a digital transformation initiative. They're like, okay, we're going to get our data in the cloud. We want folks to run analysis on it. And then they're like, well, how am I going to get the data there? And then how fast do we need to get this data there? And then also, where are we pulling the data from? And HVR really solves a lot of those questions that folks have. And that's why we work with them. And, and really, our tool is really made for the enterprise. Because um, you'll probably hear there's a lot of data integration tools on the market. But where we stand out is the fact that, one, we can move these high volumes of data. We can do it from systems like SAP. And then also, um, we're able to do it in a very secure way with how we route the data. Um, as you probably know, data in the cloud is another concern as well. So, of course, you know, we're able to do that really securely with encryption and the way our, our architecture can enable it. Love our good friends at Snowflake. Yes. Uh, <laughs> great team, great marketers. Amazing story, too. I really admire what they do. It's great. So, yeah, when you when you think about those type of partnerships, you know, where you have something you know, or, or just even from a uh, channel perspective or, or those sort of things, especially like take a, take a Snowflake or a Google Cloud or somebody like that, some of these folks that, that have a bigger audience than, than you do and have that base of, of customers, you know, there's a clear kind of need there. You mentioned, you know, obviously events being a part of that. Events got a little crazy over the last year. So those didn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> so those didn't, those didn't change as much. Is there a specific type of of messaging that you're looking for in in that you know partner marketing or is it kind of like pretty straightforward like what you said you know they're they're going to choose some vendor to work with you know their customers are going to choose some vendor like why not us right so we do market to them right so we market with them to our joint prospects and then we also have to market to them they have huge sales teams oh yeah and we have to say to them yeah like we need them to think of us when they're in a project right And sometimes it's the other way around too. Like someone might still be considering different cloud providers. What is their model? There is a consumption-based model. So it is a really nice marriage for them um, for working with someone like us because we're the one delivering those high data volumes to their platform. Yeah, that's a great point. So like getting everybody on the sales team, you know, fired up about HVR is a great thing, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and also they want to make their customers happy and as we want to make ours. And, you know, our function, our tool also includes like a compare functionality. So you can compare this data. So we're talking about, I don't know if you've ever received a marketing email where like recently I received one and my name was Kevin. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so the thing is with our product is that, you know, when you're moving millions of rows of data. I'm sure many on the call have like had to merge Excel sheets and then you're like, wait, this row is off. So it's kind of a similar thinking with our technology. We're just merging billions of rows over. But then you need to make sure that this merge, everything synced correctly. And we have a, a function in our tool that enables that. So you can check your data. And that's really key. Like if you're going to have, you know, great, we can move the data, but then the fact we can make sure it's correct is a huge value add. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The marketer's nightmare of every cell being one off, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I cringe when it happens, but then I'm like, I understand, you know, it, it happens to all of us. We have those moments. Yeah, we do. We do have the, those yeah. moments. <laughs> yeah. The, what is it? The HBO Max email that just went out uh, to everybody? Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, and I have to say another one. 
my doctor's office sent out an email or the doctor's company. I won't say who it is because they've had enough suffrage, but they be, they CC'd everyone on the email chain. Mm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is like, I mean, heart dropped for them because I'm like, oh, this is, I could only imagine how much they're sweating on the other end. I know you can't go super deep into those campaigns. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, secret stuff going on uh, at HVR, a lot of cool stuff, but yeah. any particular <laughs> campaigns that, that uh, have stood out to you and it could be in your current role or, or in past roles that particularly you, you enjoyed or learned from? That is a great question. You know, I have to say one of our most successful ones, which kind of surprised me was a campaign we did targeting a competitor, you know, with data that's available out there, Mm -hmm. you can find out, um, you know, what technologies your prospects have, what they're searching on, what their need is. And talking about content, we were able to say, okay, what are the challenges people might have with this product? Right. And we were able to target them and speak to those challenges. And, you know, I was kind of like, one, I I was like, is this, is this going to resonate? And it did. And I was really surprised by that. Um, But again, it's, it's really thinking about like, what challenges are your customers having and understanding what those are and, you know, leveraging your sales team to say, Hey, I'm hearing this is going on the field marketer. You go do something about this. We have a good story to tell here. You figure out how to tell it. And that's what we did. We're like, okay, thanks sales team. Thanks for the ear to the ground for this Intel. Okay. We know we solved this problem and, and we tackled it using content and then data to, to get leads and customers. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think people sometimes shy away from, you know, competitive campaigns, but it's such a funny thing because that's what they're searching, right? Like that your prospects are like doing a comparison, right? It's like, if your problem is, is, you know, winning the deal, that's one thing. If your problem is, you know, getting consideration in the first place, if you're not even included in the mix, like you better be comparing yourself to those other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I expect it from them too. So it's, you know, it's fair game out there. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, and, and I think at the end of the day, like, you know, you need to position yourself where, uh, where your competitors are. And if you're not doing, you know, at, at a minimum, I mean, your messaging should be doing that stuff anyways, if you're not calling them out, if you're not calling them out, uh, you know, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you worked on different kinds of campaigns in the past. Any, any campaigns that, that you've worked on in the past that bring some insights of working like on the, on the more agency side of things or, or uh, I don't know, do we say back of the house? Is that, uh, but <laughs> Uh, you know, doing, doing the agency side where it's not quite as, uh, as, you know, a different of experience when, when you're the one with the budget and, uh, and, and making the campaign yourself, you know, kind of sitting in the seat versus kind of being on the agency side or like making recommendations or on the media side, making recommendations. Well, one thing I've noticed, I'm really a lot more sensitive, let's say to folks trying to sell into us versus being the one. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's one difference. Yeah. I think being on the agency side, having been there, I feel like, you know, you're very campaign focused mm-hmm. and now on this side, we're very, it's a different almost approach that we're employing. It's more of like multiple campaigns to one prospect Yeah. versus taking like, Hey, here's this one campaign let's look at the results. All right. Did it perform? And for our buyer to convert, it takes several, and I mean, to convert, we leverage um, lifecycle marketing basically. Yep. So there's different tactics we deploy at every stage of the life cycle. 
um, to get someone to that, what we call an opportunity sales accepted lead. So there's various campaigns we're deploying um, to get them there. So it's, it's kind of a different lens I'm looking at marketing versus like, here's this one campaign, how did it do? Because what I'm looking at is, you know, what did we invest? You know, what are the programs we invested in to get these prospects to convert? And I, I really like to look at the overall picture of like, this, these are the efforts we put in and this is the output we received versus getting too granular because it's going to, you know, some leads might be in a demo, but you have might some folks that are in the middle of a sales cycle that are participating in a demo as well. So I, I do have to step back and look at things from a bigger picture because you could have different people in a life cycle participating in a campaign. Yeah. I mean, well, so this is, this is a great point. And it's one that, um, you know, when, when you talk about the portfolio approach to marketing, specifically within B2B, where, you know, one program is not going to win the deal, right? Like, no, it's just not going to no. happen. It's all that it's attribution based, right? Where it's like, yeah. you know, okay, this campaign touched that person, this campaign did, this campaign did, and this campaign did. What was the thing that drove them, you know? Well, you could say that, hey, well, this webinar after that was when, you know, the deal closed. And it's like, yeah, but what? Like the last touch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The last touch. So, you know, but, but I think that that's the thing that you nailed that I think I was kind of searching for there is when you have kind of the agency approach of creating singular campaigns that, you know, are achieving one particular result versus the holistic portfolio approach of like, how are we shaping this entire account going forward? Exactly. So I look at a, like long-term metrics, where are we seeing lifts? You know, are we increasing our overall opportunities? So I look at, you know, big numbers over time and seeing how they kind of impact each other to understand the program effectiveness. Because sometimes you might have one, let's say, webinar and one person may impact be impacted, but that could be six, seven figure deal, right? So you could say, well, your conversion rate was this, but that's like, no, no, you have to look at the ROI. So again, you also have to look at different metrics to really understand the, let's say, the fruits of your labor. Yeah, for sure. Are there any metrics that you particularly, you know, focus on that are those like certain pieces of attribution or certain you know, things that you see that you're like, oh, okay, that's our gold standard. If we're seeing that, then then we're looking good. Yeah. I mean, so our end goal, as I mentioned, is opportunities, but we, on a weekly basis, um, I have a digital marketing specialist on my team. So we're constantly looking at just conversion rates for the various campaigns we're running on different digital channels, because like you get a sense over time. Again, I've been working with ATR for five years. I kind of know where, where our conversions need to be yeah, totally. <laughs> so that we, and also our set, you know, the cycle from a conversion to an SAL is long, right? So I have to step back and be like, okay, if we're seeing, and I have to be able to explain this to our CEO and board, it's like, okay, we've invested this much here, but we're not going to see a return, but hey, these numbers are looking good. And here's why, or I'm seeing, you know, lifts and sometimes we'll even look at things like uh, direct hits on our site. Who's just converting by directly coming to our site? And that's a good indicator of brand awareness. Um, and then I can say that, yeah, I think actually by this point in time, our pipeline should look like this because of these kind of indicators, these early indicators. Are there any bets that you make that are kind of your, you know, five to 10% of your budget or things like that, that are like, hey, if this works, great. This is our, you know, like the experimental budget. Yep. Uh, are, are you, are you, do you have things like that? Oh yeah, I had so <laughs> I just laugh because 
first time this year, we uh, sponsored, you know, Kai Resdahl, American Public Radio, mm-hmm. um, the tech with Mollywood. And I, I was like, okay, like this may just fall on its face. Like, I just, I don't know. We're going to try this kind of more brand awareness type mm-hmm. 10 seconds, say what you do, why someone would care on the radio that we hope people are listening to, but it's like, let's see how this goes. And what we found is that we found lifts and like I said, those conversion rates, but then I oddly would notice around the time of these ads that we would see more folks writing into us wanting to talk to sales. Hmm. And I'm like, is this, I was, I didn't believe it at first, actually. I was like, is this just, am I just making this in my head? And I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, are we just trying to make the numbers look like this is really happening? But then over time we've tracked it and we're like, okay, we are seeing a lift around when these air and it's been exciting. So I'm like, well, we'll keep, keep doing this. And now I want to do more things like that because I'm, you know, coming from a digital marketing background, also working for an organization where you don't have a huge marketing budget. I've always been super careful, like, okay, we're going to invest this dollar. This is the return we're going to get on this dollar. But now, you know, as we've grown, I have been able to play more. So I'm playing around more. I'm like, whoa, we are seeing some improvements here. So yeah, I'm excited to try more activities like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that so the modern marketer, and I've kind of talked about this in the past, especially the digital marketer, you have a lot of folks, many folks that I've interviewed on this podcast that are like, to this penny, I know exactly what is working. I will kill everything that's not. Yep. And I will know that I will, you know, get this dialed in. But with B2B, like there is more art than science at times, not all the time, but at times you're talking about, otherwise you wouldn't, otherwise sales wouldn't matter, right? Like yeah, otherwise no. they would just all convert and it would just yeah. go the way. But it's like, at the end of the day, a salesperson is still going to be talking to this person and trying to convince them like why this is the best decision for them. Right. Right. And it's not just a person, right. They're talking to six people yep. um, and some people that aren't even talking to, and those are the folks that are signing the paperwork. And so we have to also think about what our brand looks like, right? Like how do we cut through the clutter? So just so no one, there isn't friction at that signing phase. They're like, why are we signing this big check for this company I've never heard of? So that is where marketing plays a big role. And that is harder to attribute ROI, but it's still, it's a very important piece. Well, and, and, and I think that this idea of waste was something that was very familiar with marketers 30 years ago, right? Like you're used to waste, right? Because you knew yep. that it's like, I'm going to put a bunch of stuff out there that, you know, tons of people aren't going to like or to, or care about, or it's going to just yeah. fall on deaf ears, or it's just not the right target or whatever, because most of marketing was waste. Now it's like, it's very different for us, right? And not saying that we want to waste dollars, but the idea that it's like, there is certain elements that you need, you like this, a Super Bowl ad for a B2B company, everybody says is dumb. It's like, but you've seen it work really well for certain people because of like the idea that's like there is value in doing certain types of things. And it might be value in a, in a way that you didn't necessarily think you were going to get it. Absolutely. And, you know, just with your point around the Super Bowl ad, I also, we have to remember it's B2B, but you're still marketing to a human. Yeah. Right. And chances are, given the amount of people that are watching the Super Bowl, your target is watching the Super Bowl. And if you have the budget and a message that resonates to, let's say, a lot of organizations, like why not do that? Right. Because, again, you want to be top of mind to these these folks, these humans, when they need to make that decision on your product. Well, and, you know, like I think that 
to your point with the um, the radio spots that you were talking about, right? It's like in that moment, your sales rep has emailed them three times in a row with no response, right? Oh yeah. And she's sitting there like, I'm, this is, I'm losing it. Like this is, I, yeah. the fourth time is going to hurt my soul to ask them. And it's like you, and then that person's listened to a couple ads and they're like, oh, I know I need to respond to her, but I was at the gym. Oh, I need to know I need to respond to her. Yeah. So just giving those touches and keeping that person, you know, engaged in that way, especially if they already know who you are, or especially if they're like, oh, I've been meaning to just demo the product and I just haven't got time to it. Like those type of touches are so important, right? Our, our good buddy, uh, Chandar from CMO Koopa, he says, paint this guy's Koopa blue. And I love, <laughs> I love that idea, right? It's like everywhere you turn, yeah. you're seeing, their, your prospects are seeing you somewhere, hearing you somewhere. And that's like, that's how you win. Exactly. You just nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I love shout, it. <laughs> shout out to Chandler. Um, he's the best. So any things that you've done, oh, you know, you, you've been in C for five years, you know, you could do it in your sleep, right? Your eyes closed, you know, you know, the demo, you know, you can see the numbers, you can do that stuff. Any things that like, you know, once you get to this point in time, uh, and we've had a, a, a few other marketers who've kind of get in this mode where, especially in startup world, we're like, you grow and you grow and you grow and you grow and each challenge is a different day. And then you kind of wake up one day and you're like, okay, I think I kind of know where we're at right now. I feel really good about everything, but I think I need to push myself. Like, I think I need to push the organization because we're a little too comfortable with where we're at. Have you had that kind of moment? I have, but I have to say, it's interesting now, in a sense, I would say the product team is pushing me. I can't talk about them right now, but we have some releases coming out. Yeah. That is changing how I have to think about some of our go-to-market. So it's really exciting. The timing's perfect. We're like, okay, we I don't want to say we've figured it out. You never fully figured it out, but we've gotten to a place where we're like, we think we have a good template, you know, for what we need to do. But now there's this new challenge. And so it's really exciting because I'm spending, you know, I have built a great team with me at HVR that can handle some of this current day-to-day. And now I'm able to focus more on some of these newer projects that where I feel pushed and, and scared, right? Like, it's like, okay, is this going to work? And I, I really, um, you know, resonate with that feeling because I had that five years ago and starting with HVR. It's like, right, how are we going to make this work? And again, not knowing the product very well was extremely intimidating. Yeah. That's, I love that you said that those additional, you know, whether it's release product releases or announcements or those sort of things. And you're like, you know, how are we going to get this other stuff out is, is a great thing that, that might push you out of the comfort zone. I think, and I'm curious if you got to this point too, where you're like, people come to you and you're like, hey, maybe we should do blank. And you're like, well, we looked at that two years ago and like, it wasn't the right, you know, like whatever. And then you kind of catch yourself and you're like, that was two years ago. <laughs> like yeah. the entire world has changed in the past two years. So maybe we should consider the Super Bowl ad, or maybe we should consider, you know, whatever else it is, because like, I probably shouldn't just be saying no to stuff because we haven't considered or because it, you know, was two years ago. I have to say, you know, earlier I talked about, uh, you know, our celebrity chefs events. Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, if someone said that to me two, three years ago, I'd be like, crazy, that's fluffy. It's not necessary. But then times have changed, right? And and humans needed something different to do. And those have been incredibly successful for us. So yeah, there, and often, yeah, I'm eating my words because, you know, as a marketer, we like to think we know it all. And then someone tells us an idea and it's like, no, you don't know marketing. And then you think about it and you're like, actually, that was a really good idea. So, so I always kind of have a bank in my mind of what's being suggested and, and what we can do. 
I love the adage, the marketing adage of uh, when you're sick of hearing your messaging, it's starting to reach your your customers. And I always think about that with, um, especially like if, if you're in that, you're sort of a position where you've been there, you know, for five years, where you're like, I have seen every piece of collateral and messaging and positioning and every single thing I wrote half of them or my team wrote half of them and I approved them or whatever, all that sort of stuff. And you're like, it's probably just now seeping into the market, you know, in a lot of ways. And then, and then you're like, you're like, you're like, I should just change everything. And you're like, wait, no, I need to stay the course. No, it's, it's so true. It's almost like you get tired of it and then you kind of stop liking it yep. and you want to change it, but it's like, no, you can't change it. And even from, a, you know, I have this brilliant designer on my team and she's a principal designer and she's like, I think it's time to change the icons. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> we just changed the icons, you know, cause I think we all can't help ourselves. And I, I think it's a great trait to have because you want to keep pushing yourself. Um, I will say with messaging, messaging, the only time I would say like with COVID, we did have a we did have to change things because yep. what we were saying weren't it wasn't relevant. But yeah, for the most part, you need to stick stick true to what you decide so that it does sink in because it does take longer for your prospect to to hear it, understand it, and then repeat it in their mind. Yeah, and I think another piece of that too is creating things that that intentionally like uh, you know whether it's a program or initiative that does stand out. And I think that 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 there is a little bit of that too where it's like everything is always on brand, right? So like every webinar, everything, every whatever, it's like dig in and use those alternate colors, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell my designer that she, she won't like that. <laughs> but no, but it, it, I think that that stuff is true. Like, and if you, you yeah. go look at your social, you know, your, your Twitter feed or something you're looking at and you're yeah. like, man, every asset looks the same. Every webinar looks the same. Everything looks the same. Yeah. And you're like, I know it's all on brand, but it's like, we need something to like, you know, pop out there, but then you go look at, you know, social media and there's 50 million things out there and you're like, Oh wait, no, I do need things to look exactly like, like, like us. I, and I struggle with that myself. It's um, if I ever like, I, it's great. Again, I mentioned this principal designer, she keeps me on track because sometimes I want to go rogue. She's like, no, can't go rogue. Um, Cause yeah, you do get bored, but it is like, it's not about you, right? It's about your prospect and their experience. And you have to remind yourself that. So anything, uh, anything else on the horizon for, for you on the horizon for HVR? Um, I, I know you said you, there's a bunch of releases and stuff coming out that we can't talk about yet, but anything uh, that you're looking forward to uh, to continue growing the company? Oh, I wish I could. I mean, yes, but I can't say any of it. <laughs> In a month, at the end of August, there'll be, there'll be good stuff coming out. Yeah, indeed. But it's, yeah, it's a really, for me, just, it's a really exciting time to be part of the company. It's always been, but this, this year, especially with what the team's working on. Okay. Let's get into our lightning round questions. Ooh. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn about marketing on the world's number one CRM that is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every action, every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Meredith, are you ready? I guess so. Number one. What's the longest race you've ever been on? Ooh. We talking any kind of race? Yeah, any type of race. Well, I'd say, um, just the top of my head, in May, I did a gravel race that was 89 on a bike, um, 89 miles and 5,000 feet of climbing. It took me a little Ooh. over five hours. Where was that? That was in California, in the middle of nowhere. Um, no offense to anyone that lives there. Um, it's called the Huffmaster Hopper. It was uh, kind of like south between the Bay Area and Sacramento. Yeah. 
Cool. Very flat, hot. Yeah. Indeed. My brother-in-law does uh, the death ride in uh, somewhere in... Yeah, it was just canceled in California. It was, yeah. it was just canceled because of the fires. Yeah. Crazy. Bad. Yeah. But yeah, I always, I remember when we, when we first met, it's like, oh, Bill's doing the death ride. And I'm like, that sounds pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. No, that's pretty intense. So between NYU and San Francisco, you've been on both, both coasts. Which is the best coast? Definitely the left coast. Of course. Um, we're biased. <laughs> if you weren't in marketing or business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, so I live pretty close um, to the guide dogs for the blind. Oh, yeah. They, um, the Labradors. I don't know if you saw the documentary. I have two Labradors of my own. And my dream would be to somehow work for them. Oh, awesome. No, one of my, um, one of our, our friends, uh, she raised guide dogs. And so oh. my wife was always like constantly like around them, like 24 seven is really funny. And she'd just be like staring at them longingly and like, I can't oh. do anything. They're at work. Yeah. It's amazing what they're able to accomplish. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's amazing stuff. Do you have a TV show, movie podcast that you've been checking out recently? Oh, I just finished. And I know this from several years ago, but Broadchurch. Um, so I'm really into um, British detective shows. And I just finished up Broadchurch and it was, it was just so well done. The cinematography, dialogue, I just, acting, it was fantastic. I haven't checked it out, but I will someday soon because I also like uh, British detective stuff. Yeah, it is good. What is your best advice for first-time VP of marketing? Well, I would say for somebody that maybe you're new to a space as a VP of marketing is to leverage your colleagues, um, make allies and learn from them and be open to what they know. And also listen to your sales team. You know, there is always friction between marketing and sales, but it's really important to have a good relationship with them because you know, you're a team and both of you can leverage each other quite well to have a, you know, a successful um, outcome. Great advice. Meredith, this has been awesome having you on the show. Uh, just great chatting with you. For our listeners, you can go to hvr-software.com to learn more. Also, slick website. Wonderful, wonderful website. Great B2B website uh, is one of my passions. So uh, kudos to you and team. Thank you. And we might be working on a new one of those as well, but I'll let our designer know. We appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's great. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, I just really enjoyed this. I really appreciate the questions and your time. So thanks for having me join. Awesome. Thanks so much, Meredith. Take care. Thank you. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound.
the speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.